Welcome to the Sound and Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Isham, owner and founder of Dreamer Productions and Sound and Marketing Learning. I create, consult, and educate brands and individuals on the power of sound in marketing. To learn more about sound and marketing, check out some great resources, take some courses, and join a cool community, go to soundinmarketing.com. If you're a brand that needs help navigating the sound space through research and or a consultancy, or you're looking to create sonic branding, go to dreamerproductions.com. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com. And let's chat. Now onto the show. For this season, I wanted to focus on definitions, because if you don't fully understand the industry, it's harder to navigate it and harder to ultimately succeed. And that's why every episode will start with what is. Ideally, you can scroll through the episode titles and decide what specific voice topic you want to focus on for the next 15 or 20 minutes. Today, we will be defining voice design with my friend Shamala Priyaga. Shamala is the founder of the Digital Assistant Academy and product owner of Ford Motor Company, leading the conversational AI efforts for autonomous vehicles. A self-described evangelist for UX and voice technology, Shamala recognizes the societal and cultural benefits of voice tech evolution. She has more than 18 years of experience designing for mobile, web, desktop, and smart TV interfaces. Welcome to the show, Shamala. Thank you so much. Go ahead and uh, introduce you and your company and how you got into voice design. Yes, the company's name is Digital Assistant Academy, which uh, I started last year uh, because I found a gap in the voice interaction design and how people are learning about it and wanted to standardize some of those things. So that's why I started the academy. A little bit about my background. I have more than 20 years of experience in user experience and design now. I've been a UX designer, worked on mobile-based applications, desktop-based applications, smart TVs, smartphones. So in 2012, I was uh, hired by Amazon India, and that's where I was working on a lot of cool stuff. I got to participate in one of the hackathons, hackathons there, uh, which was called uh, Jungle Hackathon, where Amazon was trying to see how can we enable more and more people to buy online uh, things because back in 2012, online shopping was limited to books and stuff like that. People were not buying it for everything. And India has been a little uh, laggard in that sense because uh, uh, they have a different kind of model altogether, like how people shop, right? So online shopping was like a big thing for us. So that's when the idea of augmented reality and voice came to me. And I was like, if we combine voice and augmented reality together and create an e-trial solution, um, maybe because that is the block where people want to try certain products before buying. So maybe if we do something like that, people will be willing to do more online shopping. So I prototyped and created this entire solution using voice and uh, AR, VR solution. Uh, coming from a background where I know a little bit of coding, I was able to prototype something using JavaScript and all of those stuffs. And it kind of uh, won the People's Choice Award. People like the idea. And since then, I've been involved in voice in some of the other form. Like I was involved in uh, Alexa beta testing when Amazon Gen 1 and Gen 2 was launched. And from there, worked with Voicebox Technologies, where I worked on... Uh, Samsung SYS uh, design, plus I also worked on a uh, lot of other auto OEMs and their uh, conversational systems, and now we're at Ford. Going back to voice design as opposed to voice assistance, because I think that um, a lot of people have heard the word voice assistance, but the idea of design, um, can you kind of break that down? Like voice assistance to some might be 
you know, asking a, a technology a question and getting a response. But voice design is so much more than that. And can you kind of break that down a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like you rightly mentioned, right, voice assistant is uh, the system which is helping you perform a certain task or helping you uh, get things done, right? But there's a lot of things, a lot of psychology, a lot of uh, concepts and process which goes into making that thing work. All the user is seeing is, uh, uh, you know, talking to a bot and getting things done. But I call it tip of the iceberg. Because that is actually the tip of the iceberg, but all the things below the iceberg is what uh, is voice design. Because how does the human and bot speak? The dialogue system itself, right? Uh, when we are designing that thing, like uh, uh, mostly when we say conversation design, we say we are trying to design a system where we are mimicking the human and bot conversation as if it was a human to human conversation. It may sound very straightforward, but it's very complicated giving the bot that level of intelligence that it speaks like a human or understands what the user said. So there's a lot of things which goes there, right, from the conversation design or the dialogue system design which you have done. So thinking about how do you reduce the cognitive load for the user through the chimes or ear cons or some visual cues or some sort of affordances which they will understand, right? So... For example, how do you design the processing or listening or speaking so the user actually understands that this is the time I should be speaking or I should wait for uh, the bot to answer or this is the time where the bot is processing something. So I know what's happening because most of the voice interfaces are voice first, does not have a screen if you look at the older versions of Alexa, right? Um, so that is uh, another part of it. Now, the third part of voice design, which is really, really important is how are you thinking about uh, mapping everything, right? Conversation design is so complicated. Users can speak in whatever way they want. How are you thinking about making it natural? What kind of utterances are you collecting? How are you mapping the utterances to the intents? Uh, so intent is basically in the voice world, what is the intention of the user? We need to feed that intention to the system for the natural language understanding to understand what the user wants and says. So there's a lot of these kind of elements, which I call, you know, the beneath the iceberg, which needs to be in place. In addition to that, analytics is another big piece of the voice design because you have to constantly keep seeing what the user has said, where did the task fail so that I can go back and fix those things. Or I have to look at what were the features which were not used at all or what are the top features. So I know where I have to go and fix the issues or why something is not being used if there's a discoverability issue, I have to go back and fix those things. So there's a lot of these things. There are like eight or nine elements like these in the voice design, which actually comprises of what people see in the tip of the iceberg. And all of that uh, ultimately is so that the user doesn't have to think. Exactly. So the user doesn't have to think about all these things that you just talked about. Because I was thinking as you were saying that, um, you know, when when you go and you sit down at a movie, and you're like ready, you've got your popcorn, you know, you're ready to listen. And then you like have a bad audio experience. It takes you completely out of it. It ruins the experience. But if you don't notice it at all, then that's perfect. Like that's that's the point of it is it's part of the experience. You go about your your moment, what you're going to do, and you are not interrupted. And I think that that's where um, voice design is so, so important. Um, I also think of... Um, for IVR, for like on hold, push this button, push that button. Um, if it can't understand, you know, 
this white girl, <laughs> there's a problem. You know, like when you they say your social security number or say your bank account number or something and they miss it, just one miss and you're frustrated, you know? And I feel like with voice assistance and with voice technology, because it's so new, I feel like people's automatic response is to say, no, this doesn't work. The patient's level with voice is a lot lower than as compared to GUIs, which is the graphical user interfaces. Or even with IVR, you would give a benefit of doubt because, uh, okay, those systems are learning. But with voice assistance, because, you know, the bar is very high and uh, thanks to all these sci-fi movies, people have seen uh, these bots interacting with the user, doing all sorts of things. So the expectation is really set high in first place, right? The second thing is... Uh, because these bots also have a more natural kind of conversation, like, you know, you speak with it and it responds back so humanly. It has that human-like uh, traits in it, the intelligence or uh, uh, I would say the voice and all of those things. People are expecting it uh, to do more for us, right? So the moment there's a little bit of errors or issues, people get frustrated. They turn off from these devices because they're like, okay, it's not helping. Because... Uh, uh, there's a lot of things which is happening in there, right? You ask the user uh, certain things and it's doing great and all of a sudden you're trying something else and it's not working. You're like, okay, I'm not going to use it. So there's like you mentioned, the patient's level is so less that when you are designing and uh, to your point, when you're designing voice interfaces, the best interface is the one which you do not notice. You have to design in a way where the user has zero, zero, uh, effort or thinking required, like it's seamless for them. And in order to make that seamless, there's so much effort required from a conversational designer and the team. It's not just conversational designer, right? It's so much, so many teams, including the sonic design team. Like, how are you thinking about the sounds? Because it's not just any ear corner chime which you are designing, but you also have to think about how is that sound coming in? What uh, does it reflect or resonate with the personality or the brand of what we are designing for? And so many things. And you are in a better position to talk about sounding branding more than me. But uh, those kind of things are equally important plus the visual cues. And I remember, this is so funny, but I want to tell you the story. When we were designing the Ford uh, voice assistant, uh, if you look at the older versions of the uh, vehicle, like uh, the Sync 3 or Sync 2 version, when the voice assistant used to speak, there was a green block, which would say, speak now. Or there was a green block on the top of the screen, which would say, task completed or processing and all of those things. So they were affordances, but those were not um, very human-like, right? I came, I'm like, okay, these blocks are good. It's taking away, you know, like one fourth of your screen, uh, but uh, it does not have that connection, how we want it to be. So I had to go back and forth, convince a lot of stakeholders, like we need to have a personality in a visual cues. Of course, there were a lot of back and forth because when we were thinking about that, one of the thing was like, uh, why do we need a visual cue? In first place, we have that block, it's doing the work. Why do you need an animation or some sort of, you know, like personality to it? So I had to go back and do a lot of strategies, talk with the team and convince them. And after that, uh, we uh, designed a lot of prototypes and a lot of cool animations. And I was like, look at Siri, look at Google, look at Alexa. They're all great. They have these, you know, rings, which kind of immediately the moment you see them, you know what's happening. So then we did a lot of testing and uh, presented a couple of options to the users. And then they selected one. And finally, we had a solution. Again, with voice, uh, those kind of things are so important. But at the same time, 
the driver distraction team was like, this animation in here, we cannot have it. So we had to go back and forth with the stakeholders as well and convince them like, you know what, this animation is uh, very trivial. It's not going to distract the users. It's going to help them. So uh, there was all of these things. And finally, in Sync for Vehicles, you see those animations along with the voice assistant, which uh, you know I designed. To the point where, you know, as a conversational designer or voice designer, people have to think about these kind of things. It's not just a dialogue, like I mentioned, right? But those little things are equally so important. And throughout the voice design, the strategies or talking with your stakeholders, convincing them, the challenges, all of those things will come. But voice design is navigating all of those things and providing the user the best possible experience. So the moment they see something, they immediately connect with it be it the sound, be it the voice, be it the animations or the visual cues we are talking about, or the dialogue system itself, or how it understands you, the context and everything. What I heard from that uh, was it's very heavily a multimodal situation, because like you said, you needed to have visual cues as well, and very tricky in in a car because you don't want to be distracting from what's going on and all that stuff. But um, one of the things that I focus on a lot is a multi-sensorial perspective. And the the fact that you're not just talking about voice design, you're also talking about visual design and how they play together. Um, can you can you talk a little bit more about how they they intersect for you? Absolutely. So yeah, there's a lot of things, right? Like you mentioned the visual design, right? How animations and part of it is there, but also thinking about uh, the templates, the voice templates also. So for example, you said find me on nearby Starbucks, right? And we know every half mile, there will be one Starbucks. And if you define star, uh, nearby as eight miles, you may get so many results of Starbucks nearby. It's really difficult for the system to understand that which nearby should I show. Then the system is learning that, okay, along the route. So along the route, what if all of the Starbucks are along the route? So you cannot say, I found eight Starbucks nearby and the first one is blah, blah, blah. And the second one is blah, 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 and giving the address and all of that information. That's so much cognitive load for the user, not only in a car setup, but also in a home setup, if this was to happen. We don't want people to keep talking over and over or too much. You know, it's kind of annoying for people, right? They have patience or certain level of uh, acceptance. Like this is where my criteria is. More than this, I will be annoyed. People have short-term memories. So you cannot uh, give them all the eight options at once and say, okay, now tell me which one do you want me to take you to. They will forget by the time you tell them the fourth or fifth one, they will forget the first one. These kind of scenarios will occur a lot and that is why multimodal experience is required. Now you need something to be shown on the screen as well as where the visual design comes into play, right? How do you show anti-interaction design comes into play? When the user is saying, find me the Starbucks, I found multiple Starbucks, how many results do I show? What do I show on the screen? How do I show on the screen? What happens from there on? Can the user say, take me to the second one or do they have to press it? Can they speak? Can they touch? What can they do? Can they do both? So you have to think about the multimodality there. Tune in next week for the conclusion to our conversation. And don't forget to subscribe on all the major podcast channels. Share with friends, follow, and rate. Spread the word because, well, more people should know about this stuff. I know you know that now.
For any other inquiries, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R Productions.com or SoundInMarketing.com, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at DreamerProductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.